Continuing in our series in Leviticus, we come to Leviticus chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. And our New Testament complementary passage is Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15. And I want you to note as we read Matthew's Gospel that Jesus Christ quotes a verse from Leviticus chapter 20. Uh, so if you would open your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 20, in honor of God's word, please stand. Leviticus chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, hear God's word. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Say to the people of Israel, Any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who gives any of his children to Molech, shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I myself will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people, because he has given one of his children to Molech, to make my sanctuary unclean and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do at all close their eyes to that man when he gives one of his children to Molech and do not put him to death, then I will set my face against that man and against his clan and will cut them off from among their people, him and all who follow him, in whoring after Molech. If a person turns to mediums and wizards whoring after them, I will set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. For anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood is upon him. Thus far in the reading of God's word, please turn to Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. And continuing in the reading of God's word. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God. He need not honor his father. For the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. As far in the reading of God's word, let us pray. Almighty God, as we have read, we come to the preaching and the hearing of your word, and we pray that you would show us our sin, our Savior, and our salvation. In Christ's name, amen. Please be seated. So in April 1945, the Allied forces took the citizens of the German city of Weimar and forced them to walk through the Buchenwald camp. 
forced these German citizens to see what had been going on. All of these Germans that may have said, this is all big stuff, this is all out of my arena, the Allies said, come, look at this. But there's nothing unique about the horrors of Nazi Germany. It's the horror that we are capable of. That mankind is capable of. Last year, 2023, Russians and Ukrainians shot each other in greater and more destructive and inventive ways. Sudan blew up into a civil war which still goes on today. We just don't pay attention anymore. Azerbaijan invaded Armenia because once the Russian tiger was shown to be full of paper, Azerbaijan was no longer restrained and the Armenians have experienced a genocide in the Nagorno-Karabakh. And of course, on October 7th, Hamas perpetrated atrocities that should cause the human consciousness to reel. But brothers and sisters, those atrocities are seen around the world. Is there something worse about what's going on over there than what's going on in Kensington Park in Philadelphia? Where men and women are injecting themselves with animal tranquilizers in the hope of finally checking out for a few minutes or an hour. Is it more horrible than what goes on in the downtowns of San Francisco and Los Angeles? Than what goes on in the hollers of East Tennessee, Eastern Kentucky, and Western Virginia? Is it more horrible than what goes on all around us? But like the, 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 the citizens of Weimar, sometimes I think we're unaware. I think we've become a little immune. I think we're no longer as horrified. We see it in our school systems. We see it in supposed affirming care. We see it in so many horrible ways. And so the question becomes, what should the church do? The question becomes, what should I say from the pulpit? The question becomes, what can you do? Should I tell you how to vote? Should I say this cause is righteous, that cause is unrighteous? You know, God sees all of the ways in which we can be so deeply, deeply horrible to one another. 
And he says, not only I'm going to call it out, but I am here to conquer it. I am here to change you. I am here to do a work in your midst that the world will wonder at. And as we look at the passage this morning, we're going to see three things in this passage. We're going to see exactly what it is that God is up against (laughs) when we look at the heart of stone. But secondly, in our passage, there's a heart of compromise. There's a heart of compromise. But then thirdly and finally, in our passage, there is a heart of flesh. A heart of stone, a heart of compromise, and a heart of flesh. Now, the worship of Molech is grotesque. Horrible. Evil. It is the deepest betrayal that a parent could ever do to a child is to offer that child to the god Molech. The entire ceremony itself, and for those parents who are nervous right now, I'm not going to go into details, By all means, Google it and talk amongst yourselves afterwards if you're that concerned about the details. But let me say this very clearly. If you want to know what is the exact opposite of love your neighbor as yourself, if you want to know what is the exact opposite of honor your father and your mother, if you want to know what is the exact opposite of of, of fathers, Care for your children, lead them in the way of righteousness, do not exasperate them. If you want to know what is the exact opposite of that, look at Molech worship. The deepest betrayal that it would ever be possible for a parent to inflict upon a child. The heart of stone. You you recognize that imagery. I will take out the heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. Have you ever wondered about that imagery? How stony a heart can be? How hard a heart can be? A heart that would enact atrocity at the most personal level of trust. Rejoice in it. Feel virtuous over this celebration of hate and anger and chaos, death and hell itself. What kind of a twisted, sick individual would do that? I don't want to camp on Molech worship. But beloved, I do want you to at least understand how deeply offensive and horrible this is. The deep betrayal. The horror. 
But it's not just in Molech worship itself. It's in the context of the way in which God's people grow desensitized to it. These deep personal betrayals, this heart of stone, cross-generational hatred and betrayal. Did you see how these two, how, how this passage is framed at the front end? It's this horrible practice of a parent giving their child for Molech worship. And at the other end, equally horrible in God's eyes, is the child saying to the adult parent, I don't want anything more to do with you. I'm done with you. It's a betrayal of both generations. In the one, the deepest betrayal that a parent can do to their beloved child In the other, the deepest betrayal that a child can do to their beloved parent. (laughs) Ways in which we are just truly, truly horrible to each other. I wonder if you look at the first few verses of chapter 20, if you go, ooh, that is gross. You've got some image in your mind, some movie scene, maybe. Shocked. People shouldn't even talk about this stuff in church. These are, these are images that are too, too harsh and ugly. What would Leviticus chapter 20 And those opening verses look like if God was speaking to our context today. Do you honestly think that for a hot second, God would go, oh, I'm so thankful you people are not pagans like that. You have progressed so far. Now you're able to annihilate each other. Now you're able to take a confused young child, pump that child not just full of your toxic nonsense, but also of your toxic chemicals, and truly destroy a life. This is what you get to do now. Oh, we're so much better than those parents, aren't we? We are so progressed from those ancient days of horrible people doing horrible things. Beloved, what would God say about us? What would these verses look like and would they be substantially different? And I think every one of us would say no. No. Because you see... This heart of stone, the way in which humanity is so horrible to each other, comes from the heart. And the cure is a transformation of the heart. Something only God can do. But now, the second component you see in this horrible passage, this horrible situation, is this heart of compromise. 
Did you notice the, the judgment of God is not just against the one who offers his children to Molech, but in verse 4, if the people of the land do it all close their eyes to that man. It's not my business. You do you. The, the mirror opposite of Jehovah. This all takes place in a context of Exodus chapter 18 and the marriage covenant. God calls the people of Israel out of the land of slavery and out of bondage. He says, I drew you unto myself with wings of eagles. He invites them to enter in to this bride relationship with him. He invites them to be faithful to him. And he will be faithful to them. He says, I'm bringing you to a land of milk and honey. He covers the desert sands with food. He provides water for them on their way. He will protect them from all their enemies. And now they're in the land. And they say, "Ah, how bad could Molech be? A little compromise. How close to the line can I get? And we end up in this horrible, unthinkable situation where an Israelite would stand by and let this happen. Where an Israelite would say, meh, live and let live. Not my problem. It's the exact opposite of chapter 19, verses 17 and 18. God has just said in the previous chapter, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And this is what I want from you. And instead, we're tolerating offering our children to Molech. Abandoning our parents. How did we go from here to here? How did we get there? And the answer, again, is right in the text. It's a word that comes up twice in verse 5 and in verse six, once in verse 5 again in verse 6 and that is the word whoring. Israel's sin is always presented as marital unfaithfulness. Isaiah, Hosea, Israel's sin against God and turning against God is always that. It's turning against the one who has purchased you, who has loved you, who has cared for you, who has protected you, who has carried you through. That's what sin is. And at the heart of that infidelity is verses 6 and 8. 6 and 7, I'm sorry. If a person turns to mediums and wizards, whoring after them, I will set my face against that person and will cut him off from amongst 
his people. The, 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 the issue of infidelity is right there. And the infidelity God refers to is that of not walking in his ways, loving him, keeping his statutes. Now, fast forward to the other passage we read, which is Matthew chapter 15. Notice the Pharisees and the scribes come and they ask Jesus a question. Why don't you and your disciples follow the traditions and wash your hands before you eat? Jesus does not answer their question, does he? (laughs) He doesn't say, oh, well, here's why. (laughs) He says this passage. Why have you taken what God clearly says and perverted it into a thing that allows the bitter child, the child whose parents didn't potty train them right, The child whose parents failed them in one way or another, and all of us do. The child whose parents have provided, but have provided imperfectly, or maybe a lame parent who didn't even provide. God doesn't qualify where the honor is. How did the Pharisees twist that into Matthew 15? Where you can literally look at your parents, your aged parents, and go, hope it turns out for the best. Deuces. You're on your own. What I would have spent to care for you, I now give to God. How did we twist that into such a dark and ugly thing? Such an evil thing. When Jesus calls them out on it, he calls them out on this passage right here. The Pharisees understood that what he was saying about them was that they come under the judgment here. And the judgment here in this passage is centered on this heart that is just nasty, toxic, ugly, and pumps venom out across the generations. Parents to children and children to parents. This venom that just comes out of verses 4 and 7. 6 and 7, I'm sorry. Verses 6 and 7. This this heart that that is whoring after other gods, that is seeking other things, that pumps out this grotesque evil. When Jesus said to the Pharisees, this is your heart, they said, kill him. Kill this man. When John said, you generation of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come, he was pointing to the heart And your and my unwillingness to acknowledge that this is your heart. That this is my heart. Is where we get into 
the danger of the Pharisees. This heart of stone is real, it is dark, it is grotesque, it is ugly. But the heart that would compromise comes under the same condemnation. But thanks be to God that also here in this text, we see the promise of the heart of flesh. And again, that issue of the whoring after, the marital infidelity. In order for somebody to be unfaithful in marriage, what must they first be? Married. (laughs) And God has married His people. God has taken His people to Himself. He has declared Himself to be their bridegroom. As a pastor, I'm blessed to officiate many weddings. It's been a joy over my ministry to be the officiant at a number of different weddings. And one thing that bothers me is that at every wedding, the bride is looking at the wrong spot. I'm the pastor. I'm the guy running the show. I'm literally chopped liver. As soon as those doors open, she looks upon her bridegroom's face. And it's almost like, <laughs> I don't even know who that could be. There's, there's words that are going, but oh. <laughs> and it is beautiful. I, I say that, of course, teasingly. It is a beautiful thing to see. It's a beautiful thing to witness. Two young people enraptured with one another. The bride and the bridegroom, what we should be. Notice verse 7. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Beloved, If the bride is enraptured with the bridegroom's face. If the bride looks on the beauty of the bridegroom. The beauty of his holiness. The beauty of his compassion. The beauty of his faithfulness. The beauty of his tenderness and mercy. If the bride looks at the bridegroom's face and sees all of his beauty and tenderness and compassion. She will be sanctified. You will be made like him. You reflect the Jesus that you gaze upon. And your desire for holiness in your family, your desire for holiness personally, your desire for holiness in your workplace, in your career, in your studies, in every aspect of your life, be you holy as I am holy, becomes beautiful when you're looking at a beautiful and holy face. When you're looking at one who is true and perfect and light and just. And it becomes ugly when you're looking at 
a list of rules. I know I can't go 40, but can I go 38? Will the police ticket me for 42? How much can I push on this thing? Versus, he's beautiful. And oh, if I could just be like him. One of the things that I have been struck by as we've been moving through Leviticus, I've been thinking about the overall story of the Old Covenant. And and we rightly see, in the Pharisees, we rightly see in the history of Israel, all the ways that they blow it. But just think for a moment of the tens, hundreds, maybe millions of people, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people, who got it, who understood that this gross came out of a heart that wasn't focused on God. Like David who said, I del- my delight is in your law, and on your law I meditate day and night. Like, like Ruth who says to Naomi, that I've seen something in this family. There's something about these people that I want to go be in poverty with you because of what I have experienced in my marriage to your son. That the people who over the centuries think of Mary herself, faithful follower, Simeon, all of these little tiny, almost anonymous stories of all these people down through the years who got it. It's always going to be a mixed bag. But beloved, God has always spoken. And He continues to speak today. He looks at the hardness of man's heart and he doesn't explain it away. He doesn't tell you to to turn away and pretend it doesn't exist. He looks at the hardness of man's heart. He calls it out for what it is. And he says, I am going to change this. I'm going to conquer this. And I'm going to recreate Eden. I am going to have my glory displayed through the earth so that this nasty, ugly, dark betrayal. You and I can look at it and go, thank God that's not around us. Beloved, there's plenty of other nasty, dark, ugly betrayal. I've mentioned and alluded to just a few. But the answer is still the same. Where is your heart? Are you in love with God? And are you in love with His statutes? That's the answer. I'm sorry, I wish, it was, I, I wish there was something I could do. I wish I could tell you. Here's the answer to the problem of opioids and drug addiction and the, the, the complications and wars and rumors of wars and, 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 and Marxism versus capitalism and, and societal breakdown and family breakdown and, and globalism. And, and I wish I could just wave a wand and fix it all. But there is no waving any wand or fixing anything that doesn't begin right here in my heart. It doesn't begin right there in your heart. 
recognizing first and foremost what your heart is without God. Recognizing that if we come, the leper will be cleansed. The death worshiper will be made alive. This heart, this gross, horrible heart that would produce such evil sickness, that would produce such a betrayal, is the heart that Jesus Christ came to transform. Dude, the gospel is not therapy. (laughs) These people sacrificing their children to Molech don't need therapy. Your heart and mine don't need therapy. You and I need a new heart. And we need that new heart that is given to us freely by Christ Jesus, implanted by His Holy Spirit, transforming. I am the Lord who sanctifies you, transforming you and I day by day, more and more, to His image. We see gory pictures of what we can be, We see it around us, grotesque and horrible pictures of what we can be. We also see beautiful pictures of what we can be. Those who love one another as God has loved us. Those who love our neighbors as ourselves. But the difference, brothers and sisters, isn't from you changing your behavior. It isn't from you following the rules. It's from you recognizing that your heart is desperately wicked and that you need Jesus Christ. And the solution, the answer, the glorious message that you and I have that they didn't is that Jesus is accomplished, has accomplished that reconciliation, has purchased, has taken these same horrible, horrible people and their sin. And has borne them upon himself. Has taken your horrible, horrible sins. And borne them on the tree. God's curse. So that you and I might know his blessing. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that even in these horrible and grotesque images... We see the depths of our depravity and we see the depths and power of Christ's saving work. We thank you for our Jesus who bore this and so much more to a cross that he did not deserve so that we can bear your love and so much more to a glory that we likewise do not deserve. We thank you for his righteousness, which is ours. 
and our sin which is imputed to him. In Christ's name, amen.